Hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Good Leadership Podcast. I'm Paul Botts, CEO and founder of Good Leadership and co-host on this podcast with my wonderful friend, Kevin. Hello there, and I'm Kevin Sensnick, the Chief Learning Officer with Good Leadership and the founder of Interaction Dynamics Group, the Mid-Atlantic Partner for Good Leadership. So it's great to be with you again here today, Paul. Uh, how are you doing right now? Well, it's summer in Minnesota. That means all sorts of wonderful things, especially if you live here in Minnesota. For me, it also means that I was out digging in the garden and I have a little mold allergy and that's given me a little bit of a raspy voice, you know, so that's just part of the deal. But man, is it awesome to enjoy summer. Yeah. How about you? Well, it's interesting. I'm coming from a client engagement and the COO was expressing his concern that as the fall is approaching, I know it's early summer, but as fall approaches, he's waiting for that other shoe to drop, as he stated it. And so that's causing a lot of stress and sense of burnout on their team. So if anything, if we can bring some sense of positivity to people, like you just shared about summer coming and good things happening, I think that's certainly the right time to be doing that. Yeah, no I would doubt. say we need an intervention there, man. If summer's yeah. just started and this guy's already gloomy, that's not good. No, and I think a lot of people are in that space where they're they're enjoying what's happening now, but they're also looking ahead more than maybe they were even a, a year ago. Well, such a big part of being happy is enjoying the moment. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll send a little prayer out for your C, CFO friend right COO, there. Yeah. COO, okay, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Well, the topic for today is shared commitments. So Kevin, when you hear the words shared commitments, what does that mean to you? Yeah, to me, Paul's shared commitments are those things that we negotiate about how we work together. Um, you know, they're the promises that we make to one another because we really want to be of benefit to others and keep our promises to them. It's kind of that way that we create an environment where we, where we win together. Yeah, furthermore, let me add on to that. I, I think it's the spirit that I know that you're not going to win at my expense. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty powerful concept because, you know, I've, I have friends who have worked their way into really awesome leadership jobs, but they went through big companies. And the one that comes to mind is uh, P&G, Procter mm -hmm. & Gamble. Mm -hmm. You know, they have 1,400 people they interview for every one who gets in. Wow. And they tell you all the way that you're wonderfully talented and you're a winner and you're, the, and you're an A student. And then they immediately start cutting you down in the knees. Wow. And people look at their colleagues as competitors because they all know that only mm. one out of seven of them is going to actually get promoted to the next level. Mm -hmm. They definitely do not have a shared commitments culture there. <laughs> right. It's sort of eat or be eaten. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is a really powerful concept that really is one of the foundational things that we build good leadership on. Well, when I hear you talk about that example, it, it kind of brings to my mind the difference between having ground rules by which we work together and shared commitments. You know, Shared commitments are really about how we win together, as I said a minute ago, whereas ground rules can really involve kind of that I can win and you can lose mindset. So well, a big rules, difference in that. rules are for competition. Right, right. <laughs> you have rules in basketball yeah. and football and baseball so that we can compete fairly with one another. And that's yeah. not what shared commitments is all about at right. all. And that's what separates good organizations from great organizations. Mm-hmm. And just saying that, I'm kind of thinking about a story that I think would fit really well to talk about the power of shared commitments today. Uh, you know, we work with a lot of organizations, and we find there's kind of two types of organizations, those that have more of that hierarchical or rules-based culture. And there are reasons for that in big organizations, like you just mentioned a minute ago. Uh, and then the opposite of that really are those who have those shared commitments cultures, where they understand the boundaries and are, are constantly negotiating what's expected and what's acceptable. And one of those large physician groups that we work with uh, has really been working on reshaping their culture away from that hierarchical mindset 
and more of that idea of shared commitments culture. And they're partway through that process. And as they were working through that, I remember the CEO saying, you know, our people-centered values have become our cultural mantra. Uh, it's now part of our DNA. Okay, so I get the concept, but what, what does that really mean, that, that it's now part of their DNA? So when I hear part of their DNA, it's moved beyond just words on the page, mm-hmm. just an idea that we've created a cultural mantra, and people are living it, they're feeling it, and they want to be part of it. Uh, and actually, that kind of links right into the, one of their key executives, who I have to be individually coaching through this process. Uh, and he's been working on how does he move his entire team to begin to think in terms of having that uh, shared commitments culture and away from the, kind of that functional area management mm-hmm. or functional area leadership perspective that kind of came from a more hierarchical culture they had in the past. Mm-hmm. And the team was really struggling with that because they had always succeeded to this point by their individual skill, mm-hmm. by what they could bring to the table, how they could drive their individual results. And maybe they would win, maybe the team would win, but at the end of the day, they could say they won. Mm-hmm. And as the CEO was trying to change this to a shared commitments culture, now the executive team was saying, we'd have to change our functional area thinking as well. Mm-hmm. We, can't, we can't allow our functional areas to keep the hierarchical c- culture mm-hmm. and expect the company to move forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's the idea of how it ties into becoming part of the DNA. Everyone begins to buy into that mindset, not just the senior leadership team. So I'm curious to find out how does that really work? So what I'm, what I'm imagining is that, you know, the person in finance could hit their goals and the person mm-hmm. in marketing could hit their goals, but yet mm-hmm. the team maybe isn't winning and, yeah. and people are expecting that they should be compensated with bonus and promoted and all that stuff, yeah. but it's still not – is that sort of similar how that worked? Exactly. So people would look at that and say, yeah, I know we didn't hit our overall goal, but I should still get my bonus because I hit my goal. Mm. And the, the executive team had to say, no, wait a minute, that's not a shared commitment culture. Yeah, that's you winning at my expense. Exactly. So yeah. – you're, t- you're taking something out because what you feel you contributed, but you've not helped others to contribute at that same level. That, that's that difference between the hierarchical culture and that shared commitment. So culture. how did you move this along? Because making cultural shifts from one thing to another is difficult. Very much so. And so the executive that I was working with was saying, how do I do this better in my functional area? How do I get my managers and my leaders aligned to this concept as well? So we actually went through the process of the Team Momentum Survey. Okay. It gave them some data to look at where mm-hmm. they could say, Here's what we are doing well that lends itself to a shared commitments culture. And here are some of the things that go back to that I can win at your expense mindset. Well, the team momentum survey is something we've talked about a lot in the previous nine episodes of this. Can you tell us what are the questions in that survey that line up with shared commitments? Yeah. So the four things they were looking at very specifically in this were, first of all, that the team has shared incentives that encourage and reward working together. And then secondly, that they hold each other accountable for behaving in ways aligned with the company values. Mm -hmm. And then the members of the team actively help each other succeed. Mm -hmm. And lastly, that the members of the team are aligned and speak positively about the vision and the plan. So my guess is that you got low scores on those (laughs) in this process. So that was like Rudolph's blinking nose, was it? (laughs) That was part of it, exactly. Because part of it also was they weren't clear where they would fit in this new culture, Mm -hmm. right? So it was helping to clarify some of the roles and responsibilities but then also really aligning around those four elements. So as they began to look at that, it became very evident that they had a lot of work as a team to do. But what was really clear to the team as they worked through that conversation was one individual who really stood out because he continued to hold back. He continued to say, oh, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. As long as I get to keep this, as long as I get to do this. And 
that became an interesting com- dynamic in the room. The team was looking at him going, I don't think you're getting this. This isn't, you're not following where we're going and building a shared commitments culture. And it actually caused the executive to have to pull him aside and say very directly, listen, you need to start changing your thinking here or this is not going to go well. So that's the ultimate. He was trying to win at everybody else's expense. I sound like a a broken record, but that's really kind of the litmus test here. But he was looking at it from the standpoint that I want to help all of you win as long as I win the most. So he felt like he was trying to make the transition to this share commitment culture, but everyone around him was could see very clearly he was not. And do you, do you suppose he wanted to be the next CEO or something like that? He he wanted to take the next step to the executive team first mm-hmm. and then to that more senior level. Okay. And so he was looking at it as, well, I have to win to get there. I have to outcompete you to get there. And so that led to some really good discussion with his executive team member. And over a few weeks, the executive team member had to walk him through what does it look like to really make this transition? And here's the things that will limit your opportunity to advance if you can't embrace them. And so that's what we refer to as those that healthy tension, that healthy tension conversation. Mm-hmm. And part of it was that, that the executive had to work out with this individual, and this individual had to negotiate with the team, what we refer to as nagging rights. Mm-hmm. They had to clarify, this is what we expect to see in those share commitment behaviors. And when we don't see that, we have to have the right to bring that to your attention, and you don't hold it against me. We work through it together. Yeah, nagging rights goes along with permission. Right. I'm giving you permission to nag me. Right. If you see me do something I agreed, it doesn't make sense. Right. And so this individual that was struggling, that the executive was struggling with, had to see that not only applied to him and the executive directly, it applied to the team, but it applied to, with the team to the executive as well. So it became circular. They could all begin to share things they saw that were not going well, and the other person wasn't holding against them. So that was an interesting transition for this group to go through not only thinking about it differently and talking about it differently, but behaving differently around it. Well, I'm excited about this because this is exactly at the center of what we coach and train and teach at Good Leadership. Goodness comes from a shared commitments culture that allows people to thrive together and help each other win. So I, I love it. So, you know, I also think it ties into these ideas around the values that fit underneath Mm-hmm. goodness and mm-hmm. those values are excellence. So right. if you want to improve the excellence, everyone has to raise their performance to another standard. You can have yeah. nagging rights around that. Yep. Generosity. If certain people are trying to win too much and we're not sharing the credit, that right. doesn't work, right? Fairness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if one p- person wants a different set of rules than the others, that's not fair and right. we can create nagging rights around that. And then positivity. Yeah. The easiest way to get power in team is to spot things that are wrong and get really excited about it. And eventually that, I mean, at some level that's helpful. Right. But eventually that wears thin and sort of rubs on people and they just yeah. want to escape. So, yeah, good. I'm, I'm really glad that um, you guys went through those exercises with that team. Well, it moved them, as you just mentioned there, from that problem-finding and problem-solving mindset to that positivity side. And I think you hit a key one there in fairness. That's the one piece the gentleman who was struggling had the most difficulty getting his mind around. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel fair to me that that I have to kind of give to the team as well. Once he got his mind past that, so no fairness is that we do win together, it, it changed his whole perspective. Yeah, so I have one more thought about this, and then I want to talk about where the success habits came from here. My closing thought about this is that the mantra that's underneath every single thing we do, 
is that in teams of people that are powerful people, they only actually get along when they believe they're building something special together mm -hmm. with people they respect and admire. Yeah. And so if you have one person who's negotiating to get more power and to get special rules, yeah. it's hard to put that in the respect and admire category. Right. And, you know, you don't want to call that out. You'd rather have that reveal itself Correct. and deal with it then. And so it sounds to me like uh, this team did a really good job with the nagging rights of kind of pulling that one person back in and, mm -hmm. and creating a true team. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think, the big shift that we saw in his mindset, that idea of I want to connect to the team. I want to see value. I want, to, I want respect from the team. Mm -hmm. And I have to give respect to the team to get the respect. So that's a key insight I think you shared at the end there. So that leads us into the success habits part of our podcast. So our listeners have heard me say this before. A success habit is something that leaders have learned to do over and over again because it really works and mm -hmm. it helps them get the results that they want. So I'm really curious about what were the success habits, both structurally and relationally, that came out of this particular example? What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I think structurally, it's the ability to put a measurement around shared commitments. You know, not just, it's not just a feeling. It's allowing people to see how that's changing and moving over time. And then relationally, the executives had to choose to empower the team to move those shared commitments forward with their subteams. So they had to keep that sense of nagging rights and holding people accountable when they were not moving in the right direction. And the team actually began to bring those issues to their leader as well. Okay, so what I think I heard you say is that from a structural success habit, it's a really good idea to have some sort of a measuring tool. Mm -hmm. We love the Team Momentum Survey. We invented it. We use it all the time. But there are other kinds of survey mechanisms that you can use to measure whether or not people feel like they're winning together. Mm -hmm. And then on the relational side being very deliberate about the concept of nagging rights, mm -hmm. making sure that you're giving people permission to keep you on the straight and narrow on things that you guys have both agreed are important to the success of the team. And I could see that come alive very easily in that story that you told, and I think that's really cool. Exactly. So I think as leaders, we need to move from the idea of ground rules to shared commitments, you know, that we aren't winning at other people's expense, we're winning together, and that's the culture we create. Yeah, I made the connection here today that, you know, you create rules in sports to compete. Yeah. And that's different. You know, you make commitments to each other in order to win together, yeah. which, which I think is really awesome. I like that distinction. That's powerful. So with that, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We can't wait to increase this conversation about good leadership with you in the future, and that's about leading and coaching teams. And we certainly hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, we want to hear from you, whether it's your thoughts about the episode or what you'd like to hear about in future episodes. So please reach out to us at info at goodleadership.com. That's I-N-F-O at goodleadership.com. So thank you, Kevin. Until next time, remember, good leadership is a team sport, and it's our intention to help you build the team that helps you build your dreams together. And make it a great day. <laughs>